Hello and welcome to episode three of Salad Cast. Um, myself, Ollie, and Glyn is not with us today. Um, Glyn realised on Saturday morning that he was actually going to Legoland and going to London for the weekend, so that caused a little bit of bit of humour on a Saturday morning. And um, yeah, Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for stepping in to, to cover in Glyn's absence. I'm very honoured. I expect Glyn will have a better day today than maybe he had yesterday afternoon. Yeah, I think he probably will. Um, I encouraged his kids to uh, make sure they get enough, get as much out of him as possible. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed they're having a, a good time. Hopefully it's not raining and they're enjoying um, Legoland. So it's first game of the season. We've got a bit of action to talk about. Um, we've obviously just got one game to cover this week, which is which is nice. And obviously we're going to be talking about the the one nil defeat at home to Burton Albion um, that happened yesterday. Um, good as always. We're doing this on a Sunday. It gives us a little bit of time to reflect on the game and. Yeah, for my sins, but also because I was chatting to Phil so much during the game, I have watched it back, and that's really helped me kind of cement what I thought. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to go through the game and, and get your thoughts on the on the game, Chris. Um, kind of before we go into the action of the game, obviously nice to be back at the stadium. It's a real shame it was raining, though. I was going to meet um, Ed Walker from the D3D4 podcast, who's a Burton fan, and me and Phil were going to have a nice pint outside, but um, the weather was pretty torrential, wasn't it, pre-game? Yeah, the weather was a shocker, but as you say, it was still great to be back. Uh, I, I enjoyed every second of the arrival at the ground, to be honest, even from walk. I park over near Sainsbury's and I was yeah. walking through the Narrows and you've got that bridge that's been painted. I think a lot of people saw that on social media. It looks absolutely fantastic and that really got me in the mood for the game, actually. So, yeah, just it was great to be back, great to be around Shrewsbury fans again. It, I, you, we're not used to being in crowds of people, are we? So I entered for the first time into the concourse. The queues for the refreshment stalls were massive i assume it's because of the vouchers but it was just it was almost a bit of a shock to see so many people in one place i'm just not used to it so it was weird but great yeah i had that when i went to silverstone a few weeks ago um it was weird being among crowds again especially basically just being home working from home for such a long time but yeah it was it was good to see the crowds again and yeah it just it was interesting um obviously what they decided to do was obviously only have one till one kind of server per per, per buffet and yeah, getting stuff was bad. I saw Glyn being quite cheeky, calling it voucher gate. Whether this was a, a ploy from the club to try and you know reduce the number of vouchers got used <laughs> by the fact that you couldn't actually get served. Um, yeah, I think that's going to probably be a problem that rumbles throughout the season. If we, because the attendance yesterday was five thousand nine hundred, um, five hundred fans from Burton. Good, good following from Burton. I imagine they're pleased with that. But yeah, I imagine this is going to be obviously a consequence of COVID and, and maybe a bit of social distancing from a, a club perspective. Yeah, if it's voucher gate, that's a bit harsh, maybe. Yeah, I think I Glyn just, it was a classic Glyn tongue-in-cheek um, comment, which can sometimes be, um, yeah, misinstrued. But I think he was definitely, yeah, being a little bit cheeky there. But I can see where he's coming from. If it was, it, it worked because I didn't use mine. Like, I, but that's because I'm the world's least patient person, to be honest. And yeah, I, I hate waiting and queues. I'll be doing it. Yeah, I think I'll probably just use my voucher for a free Pepsi Max most weeks because, yeah, I don't think eating football food every week is probably the best way to, to keep in shape. But anyway, let's let's cut the intro short there and then, yeah, let's get into the, the live action. So Shrewsbury Town nil, Burton Albion one, um, five thousand nine hundred in attendance as I'd mentioned, and great to have um, fans back of course. Um, team selection there was one big surprise um, I thought from um, in terms of the team selection. So the team was Maurice in goal, Penitent Ebax and Pierre um, in in defence. Then Bennett, Vella, Davis and Lee 
then we had Warley in the number 10 role and Ado and Bowman um, in attack. So playing the 3-4-1-2 and four, one, two, we expect will be the main formation this season. Uh, but there's obviously a few surprises in this selection. First of all, there's Ebanks as captain, which I imagine caught you as a surprise, Chris, as like most fans. Yeah, I suppose I was assuming, like a lot of people, it was probably going to be Elliot Bennett. He'd won yeah. the armband in pre-season. He was captain of a championship team in Blackburn, so uh, an experienced player. So he, he seemed the obvious choice if it wasn't going to be Oliver Norburn. So, yeah, it certainly caught me by surprise. Uh, we heard from the manager later, didn't we? He's given his reasons for that. Uh, he sees Ebanks Landell as a leader around training as well as on the field. And I thought it was an interesting comment he made. He'll, he's someone who's going to play. I thought that was an interesting comment mm-hmm. in many ways, actually, because I thought it tells you that he certainly sees Ebanks Landell as a key part of his plans this season. But it also possibly tells you a bit more about Norburn than maybe Mentor as well, because presumably that's someone he therefore doesn't see necessarily playing that much or, you know, maybe even being here beyond the end of the month. We'll see. But I certainly thought it was, there was a lot to take from that comment. Yeah, I think there's a lot to take from from that comment and the press and the post match um, con- press conference as well. Um, and then also, obviously, as you mentioned already, we've had a Norburn on the bench. But I think the biggest surprise is Ogbetter being on the bench. Yeah, that one's caught everyone out, hasn't it? I suppose uh, I've seen Nathaniel Ogbetter play live what three, four times when in those very few games we were able to get into last season. So I think there was a lot of excitement for a lot of people that they were finally going to see this guy in the flesh after what he did last year. So yeah, there was definitely a pang of disappointment when the team came out and he's not in it and he's featured throughout pre-season clearly there's been all this speculation about whether he wants to go whether his agent's responsible but ultimately he's still been playing and to my to my mind he's still the most gifted player on our books so it's a bit of a surprise when he's not in the team and yes he's only 20 years old but you know as they say if you're good if you're good enough if you're good enough you're old enough so yeah I'd have liked to have seen him start but the manager's got his reasons and to be fair he sees them day in day out so we don't like to question him but it was certainly a surprise for me. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. Um, I think it was interesting um, the comments from the manager that he hasn't been himself um, in training. Um, obviously, this is obviously due to um, what, what Cottrell shared that his agent um, has been playing games. Obviously, we don't know whether that was better instigating that. He wants to move again. Um, it's an interesting debate about better, which I'm sure will run on and whether he signs a new contract, stays or leaves um, but when the window closes. But yeah... It, it's not good. Obviously, you know, he, if he was pushing for a move after 20 games, I think that's a bit naive. You need to play games. You know, if he, he was stuck at Man City in their development squad, nowhere near the first team. Came to shoot for getting the first team. Obviously, you know, Peterborough was the team that was mentioned a lot. Talking to um, a, a posh fan I know who does a lot of like, data analysis and does a lot of the posh report, does a lot of analysis of their side. He wasn't convinced he was going to start. So for me, I think that would have been a bit of a strange move. Go from a, being a first-teamer to a, a bench player at a championship club, just for me, is a big step backwards, even though it's a, a league up. So it'd be interesting to see how this one plays out. But for me, oh, better, he's 20. He can still get to the Premier League in a couple of years. For me, I, I don't really see the need to, to rush and, and maybe kind of make the same mistake you know, in terms of not getting anywhere near a first side again. I don't know what your thought is on that, Chris. Yeah, I don't see him signing a new contract. I, I mean, I, I suppose the only way he does, I suppose, is if he starts to struggle a bit and becomes more of a routine player for us and maybe he, the interest in him fades away and then he might end up signing a new contract. So I almost don't want him to because we want him to stand out. But for me, if he's going to get that big move, he's got to play well, hasn't he? I suppose this, his form at the end of last season still holds him for now. What he did in the second, so, you know, January, February, March, at least, of last year is probably still in people's minds. But if he is here on September the 1st, 
then he's not going to get that big move in January if he's spent three months either on our bench or playing not very particularly well in our first team. So it's up to him to knuckle down and focus and, I suppose, earn that move again because I don't blame him for being ambitious. The kid started at Manchester City, probably had dreams of being a Premier League footballer. And as you say, he's still very much young enough to achieve that. So I certainly don't blame him for dreaming big at all. But if he's going to get that move, he's got to play well for us. And to be fair to the lad, when he came on yesterday in a position we've never seen him play before, he did all right. Yeah, he did He did do well. Um, really good pass completion, good running with the ball. Um, two shots on target. Two shots, I should say. One of them wasn't on target. The other one was blocked. Yeah, he's clearly a very, he's clearly our most talented player. Obviously, we want to see. I'd, you never know who. You never know in football. There's so much stuff going right around. You never really know the truth. Um, you hear all sorts of things. You know, I'm sure Lewis here, Lewis Cox from the Shropshire Star hears things as well. And sometimes maybe you hear what you want to hear, or you hear obviously you know a narrative from a diff- two different parties, um, and they kind of share two different stories, which I'm sure you've heard, Chris, when you were in the working in the football industry. I mean, it's hard to kind of really get to the truth sometimes. Yeah, I, I sometimes think agents are a cheap shot, I suppose. It's very easy to come out and blame agents for everything. And there's no doubt they cause problems in the game. But at the same time, they're, they're doing their job. They're there to represent their player. And certainly in my experience of dealing with agents when I was a sports reporter, seven, eight times out of ten, agents are doing what their player wants them to do. So yeah. it's I, I don't believe that Nathaniel Ogbetter is, you know, delighted and happy to stay at Shrewsbury and his agents doing all this behind his back, as it were. I, 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 just, I find that hard to believe. I'm sure that Nathaniel Better is, is open to a move to a bigger club if it's there for him. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, he's got, he's got to watch himself, hasn't he? You, you earn a reputation as a young lad if he starts treating us badly and then that puts other clubs off as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And he's not a championship player yet, I wouldn't say. And there's a head of recruitment from a championship side I was chatting to over the summer who isn't convinced he's quite ready for the championship. Obviously, that's just one opinion. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a season at Shrewsbury, solid, you know, play, you know, 40 plus games, coaching from Steve Cottrell would put him in a great stead. And yeah, then he can go to the championship and, and push on. Maybe he can be, yeah, follow the same kind of path as Ivan Tony and get picked up by a club like Brentford. So anyway, I think that's enough on, on better. Obviously, Norbum's on the bench. I think we'll talk about that a bit later when we talk about Pierre's performance. Um, but yeah, I think it's, so it's worth saying, like, I watched this game back. And partly because it was an interesting game in some ways, even though it was a bit boring, but to kind of, I think, wanted to be really clear on how the game went. But also, I spent so much of the game chatting to Phil that sometimes I wasn't quite focusing on the game. So I wanted to kind of watch it back. Um, it's an interesting game. For me, there's almost like three phases of this, maybe even four phases of this game. And the first 20 minutes or so, um, neither side really excelled. Uh, the first 18 minutes or so um it was a i thought quite a scrappy game um both sides struggled to kind of do anything with the second ball um good example was when Shrewsbury counter-attacked um but then we lose the ball from a throw-in and then Vela you try loses the ball and gets tackled and burn get the ball back um and yeah another good example is Wally crossed the ball in nine minutes to no one i think it's fair to say that the first you know 15 18 minutes of the game chris was was not really um you know, full of quality and was very much first game of the season fair. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, it was, I suppose, I haven't watched it back like you. I can't quite give that study. I can only talk on how I felt at the time. And the opening, I always, I felt was flat, as you say. There wasn't much going on. weren't many chances at either end. It felt to me like if anybody was going to spark anything, it was probably them rather than us. We did have a couple of moments. You've mentioned that cross from Wally. He got into a good position, put the ball in the box well, but we weren't in the right place for whatever reason to pick it up. 
and we had that rather interesting corner routine that they tried twice yeah. the first the first time it nearly came off actually and then I was a bit surprised that just a few minutes later they tried the same thing again because I was thinking surely by now Burton are alive to that and second time round you know it didn't work at all did it but no other than that in that first 20 minutes or so I don't remember us doing anything uh, I suppose I felt like our goalkeeper was the one who was having to do more and yeah, and the Barossi came into the game after 18 minutes. So that just on that corner routine, um, Hamer um, cleared the ball um, and he had a fantastic game to fair. Not very impressed with his time wasting, but in terms of his defensive performance, he was absolutely solid. And throughout this game, we will mention his defensive performance. He was absolutely superb. And I'm sure their manager was absolutely chuffed with his performance. The number of blocks he made, number of tackles he made um, was absolutely superb. Um, and he did with that one from the cross, the cross from Bennett after the little flick back, which was quite nice. But yeah, as you say, um, 18 minutes, um, Burton counter-attack, one-on-one with Morosi and a great save from the goalkeeper. A really, really, um, really kind of first chance of the game, I thought. First clear-cut chance went to Burton's way. Um, and it was a superb, superb bit of play from Burton. And you probably would say that, you know, it was a good save from the keeper. But I'm sure if you're a Burton fan, you'd kind of thinking he should have scored there. Yeah, it was a great chance, but the keeper did very, very well. I mean, it was, as you say, an excellent save. You can't miss Morosi, can you? I haven't realised no. just how fluorescent our goalkeeper kit is. <laughs> yeah. Blimey. It is like very bright. Just look at him. Yeah, but, it is very bright. Apparently, that's actually quite a good thing. I remember reading an article ages ago about how, yeah, you know, goalkeeping kits should be bright. Um, it kind of it's a bit of a distraction and puts it makes the goalkeeper look bigger. Um, so yeah, he certainly looks bright in that kit. Yeah, but just quickly on kit. While you've mentioned kit, actually, I actually thought the yellow our, our kit didn't look as bad as I maybe expected. First time I've seen it in the flesh, and I'll probably get everyone hating on me now for that because I know it's a very unpopular kit. But I thought it looked all right. I thought they looked fine. I wasn't. I mean, it's not something that's going to ruin my season, that's for sure, looking at us in that yellow and blue strike type fit. So, yeah, obviously, I talked. we talked about the kit. Me and Glenn, obviously, Glenn's got a very strong opinion on it. It's not blue and amber. It's not a Shrewsbury Town kit. Um, I'm also hearing, hearing strong rumours about the away kit is going to be pink and black, which isn't Shrewsbury's traditional away colours either. Obviously, you know, the, the away kit does have a bit more of licence for freedom. But, yeah, not how we're going to have either Shrewsbury Town kit in terms of home and away of the season. It's a bit of a disappointment. But, as you say, in the flesh, it doesn't look that bad. Um, it could be worse. So, it is what it is, I think, on the kit. Um, back to the game. 27 minutes in. Um, again, second ball is really poor from a Shrewsbury's perspective. Um, Wally gives the ball away. Couldn't pass. Try to pass to Davies, who had no chance he was going to get it. One superb pass to Smith. Um, Burton shoot um, shoot onto goal, forcing another save for Morosi. Um, and at this point in the game, you could see that Burton had a really clear tactic. So Burton were playing 4-2-3-1. Um, um, and Smith on their right-hand side was playing really, really high. Um, really trying to take advantage of that space between um, Leahy and Pierre, who was, I think, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Pierre was gasping for air after 15 minutes. And on this moment, on the moment of the the first one on one, you could see Pierre breathing heavily. And again, after this tack, um, he was breathing heavily again. It's something I noticed throughout the whole first half. And I think it's fair to say, you know, the second chance for Burton after twenty seven minutes, and then for the rest of the half, for me, Burton really dominated the game. Yeah, Burton were on well on top from that point. I mean, when the goal finally did come, it it was you could sense it, couldn't you? I think the keeper had made another decent save by then. We'd had a block on the line. Was it E. Banks Landau to concede the corner from which they scored? And then they've gone, obviously, the goals happened then. But yeah, it was certainly coming. And by the end of half time, frankly, by the end of the first half, sorry, we were probably grateful it was only 1 0. If it had been 2 or 3, I think that would have been a fair reflection of, the, of that first half as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I thought, I remember watching on the time, 
at the game, I thought, you know, it was a poor first half overall, but Burton shaded the first half. Um, to be fair, watching it back, probably Burton shaded the kind of the last five, ten minutes a bit more than I remembered. Um, yeah, they had quite a few good, decent chances. Partly play caused by Shrewsbury's poor performance. So Wally was caught in possession again. Davis had a shot wide. Pierre did a pass with his with his right foot, which was not even like Sunday League. It was like it was absolutely horrendous. There was no way he was ever going to make a Shrewsbury Town player. Maybe that was the moment the manager made up his mind he was going to take him off. Um, it just raised the question, you know, Pierre looked, well, Pierre came off at half time, so let's discuss it now. Pierre looked absolutely gone. He didn't look fit at all. He looked kind of, you know, kind of almost a bit, I don't know, a bit, a bit sloppy on his feet. He didn't look, he didn't look composed at all. After every time they had, we had a goal kick, he was breathing heavily. Um, you have to, Norburn was on the bench Clearly, the manager didn't think he was fit enough to play in the middle of the park, where obviously your fitness is is even more tested. Um, it does raise questions to me, you know, what Grenada were doing and the level of fitness and training that they had. The fact that those two come back and Pierre looked way off first team level. Yeah, Pierre was dreadful. I think we can all agree on that. He, I mean, he looked heavy. He looked slow. His his pace was off compared to where he normally is. You mentioned that pass. I remember that as well. His, his use of the ball was appalling. And um, yeah, it was it was very very disappointing because obviously he's been such a big player for us in the last couple of years, and we we want to fit healthy, strong Aaron Pierre because he's an you know it's not that long ago he was being linked with Swansea City, so it's really yeah. disappointing to see him struggling like that. And is it what's happened out in the Gold Cup? I don't know. Uh, Oliver Norman, we're told, has been ill in the last week, so if that's true, that's probably a factor on why he was on the bench as well. But certainly, you wonder the the, the intensity of their training. I saw, uh, I think it was Glenn actually on social media today pointing out that it doesn't, it hasn't affected Omar Beckles as much. And I know it's lead two, but that doesn't impact on fitness. He's still come back, played 90 minutes and scored yesterday. So yeah. I don't think we can entirely blame Grenada. I think we have to also look at the players themselves and wonder what's been going on with them. And there does seem to be things going on behind the scenes with Norburn potentially. And who knows if there is with Pierre as well. So I don't know. Something's not quite right there, is it? I mean, I find it was interesting, for example, that Pierre was on the bench at Exeter last week in the last preseason friendly, and yet didn't come on. I find that very strange when you bring in a player back and trying to involve him in your team that you didn't get that opportunity to play in preseason. So yeah, it just makes me wonder if there's something going on behind the scenes with him as well. I don't know. Yeah, I I I think it, it almost the thing. I think the, the narrative would have been made more sense if he hadn't started yesterday, and then mm. you'd say, you know, he's come back. Shrewsbury Town's fitness levels, you know, the rest of the squad looked really fit, I thought. You know, Ebanks, Landall, we had um, Odo, you know, Vela, Davis looked really sharp as well. You know, virtually everyone else looked really fit and probably actually probably, you know, the one of the fittest t- sides I've seen from a Shrewsbury Town team in terms of pre-season. Yeah, and then you look at, and then he played Pierre, which is a bit of a surprise. Maybe thought he'd, maybe the plan was to play 45 minutes all the time. I'm not sure, but interesting stats from a passing perspective um, Pierre um, made eight passes in the um, well, tried to make eight passes in the first half, and he had a fifty percent cons- pass completion rate. Clearly, in the second half, we absolutely played virtually all of our balls down the right, but Nurse still managed to um, play three times as many passes as uh, Pierre did in his in his forty five minutes. And and considering we put a lot of the ball around down the right, it just shows you that either the players maybe weren't passing to Pierre either. Interesting. So Pierre had eight passes or had attempted eight passes in the game and Pennington had 70 um, with 64% and Ebanks Landel had um, 28 with 79% pass completion where Pierre was down at 50 
um, it wasn't just his fitness and his kind of running that was poor. It was obviously, as you mentioned already, Chris, his his his, his play was poor. Yeah, it's, it was strange, wasn't it? I mean, you mentioned how much more of an impact Nurse made, and I think that's it's not just players passing to him, it's making himself available, isn't it? And looking to get involved in the game. You wonder if Pierre was on I'm not going to say he was hiding, that's a bit strong, but he, he, he certainly didn't seem to be getting involved as much as you'd like to see. I mean, percentages, he's had so few passes that you start, those percentages almost don't mean that much because, yeah, 50%, but it's, it's out of eight passes. You know, if he'd made just two more passes, that goes up to 60%. So, you know, it's 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 just, it, it's a sign of a player who just wasn't in the game, really, isn't it? And it's no surprise that he was taken off. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I looked at the numbers because sometimes they can, they can obviously, you know, stats can send you down a, a, a the wrong path. So talking of stats, we only had 56% pass completion rates. So that's pretty poor. Burton was nearly 10% more. And in terms of more stats, Town had one shot in that half. Burton had nine. Um, I think it's fair to say Burton deserved their lead at half time, as you said as well, Chris, could have been more. Um, I think we were lucky to get into half time at one nil. And, Burton and correct me if of... I'm wrong, was that one shot Davis's shot that just went wide? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's again, it's another half where we haven't had a shot on target. We've not worked the goalkeeper, and yeah, it just felt like watching a lot of last season again. Well, That's it's not even just last season, is it? It goes all the way back to 2018. Yeah, with John with John Askey. Um, Lewis Cox did a summary of you know the game. Couldn't Town didn't really do enough in the final third and. It's a, I'm sure listeners are a little bit bored of us talking about that. It's something that needs to be improved. Actually, just talking about this, actually, it's something I wanted to discuss, Chris. So in the pre-match con- press conference, Steve Cottrell mentioned that pre-season has been a big focus on fitness and technique rather than shape and formation and tactics. Like, What's your first thoughts when you hear that? Well, I think he's a manager, clearly, who wants to have a very, very fit team, which is almost a surprise that he would give Aaron Pierre a start, frankly, based on the fitness levels we saw from him yesterday. But I understand that from the manager. But at the same you do wonder how prepared we were. We've had three friendlies, all against non-league opposition, well, two against non-league opposition and one, one against the League Two side. And I don't know, it just felt like we, were, we weren't ready almost. It just... It, I'm, I'm probably reading again. I always feel guilty saying this kind of thing because what do I know? I'm sure Steve Cottrell would come in here and tell me I'm being an idiot, but I was watching and it felt like I was watching a team that wasn't ready and that was frustrating. Yeah, I think we, I think that's a really interesting point. For me, there's like two things. One, clearly we haven't signed as many players as we'd liked, but at the same time, I'm, I'd much rather assign good players rather than load of crap players. And we saw that panic in last season when we signed Daniels and Pugh and players like that who clearly weren't match fit and were basically just desperado in terms of getting players. The second point, I guess, you know, you don't have those three players. Yeah, we haven't really focused on formations and stuff and tactics. I guess that's also because we don't have that many players yet. So, but for me, I think the thing that's a little bit worrying is you've got, you know, Pierre who, you know, come back and maybe, you know, he didn't look that good. Norben was on the bench. He had the captaincy taken off him and you got Ogbetta. Obviously, then also you've got Steve Cottrell's quite robust post-match. It, it, I don't want to, want to create like a mountain out of a molehill, but it doesn't sound like, you know, everything is completely rosy in the camp. No, there's clearly a few issues and clearly, I think, as you say, things to happen before the end of the month. Uh, after listening to the manager yesterday, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Oliver Norburn goes this month. I wouldn't be surprised if Ogbetta was sold as well, frankly. But And if those things happen, then that just leaves us even thinner on the ground, which exactly. makes the recruitment part even more important. So... Yeah, the strength. There's no competition for places right now, is there? I mean, no. 
when you play predict the team at the minute, everybody's going to, probably going to get at least nine out of eleven because there's only oh, yeah. so many players that we can pick. I got a t- I did it on the Fan Hub app where it's a it's a really good app actually for doing that play the prediction game, and I got ten out of eleven. The one that caught me out was um, was better. I did predict that Pierre would start. But yeah, it's 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 there's not enough competition for places. We're, we're lacking players. Part, the only position we are covered at the moment is obviously left back and probably in goal. But everywhere else needs strength. And like you say, if we lose two or three of those players, that makes maybe you could say maybe we need eight or nine players, which is obviously a huge number to come in. Yeah, from what we saw yesterday, we're not creating chances, are we? So we probably no. need another goal scorer, another creator. So that's two. You need cover on the right side because while Bennett did well, you, you probably need more. So that's three. I'd suggest we need at least a couple of midfielders just for numbers, frankly, competition for places. So that's five. And that's before you think about selling off better in Norbo. So, yeah. And then for me, I'd say you probably need two number 10s because we haven't got any at the moment. Well, unless you really strengthen midfield and play Vela there. I do quite like Vela in the 10. Um, That's an interesting one. But yeah, lots of interesting discussion points, which I'm sure me and Glenn will carry on until the window closes. So talking of changes, um, Shrewsbury Town made two subs at half-time and Wally came off. Wally did injure his hand in the first 30 seconds of the game and you wonder whether he he had he was clearly very absent in the first first half. He didn't have a great half at all. Um, but he came off and Pierre came off. I wasn't surprised about Pierre, but were you surprised Wally came off? Uh, I suppose I was, but at the same time, I, I hadn't realised he'd cut himself or anything. And again, I'm listening to what the manager said, and he said it was such a bad cut that if he'd really, if he'd realised, he'd have had him off sooner. So it's that. I mean, you know, the guy's only human, isn't he? If he's got a nasty cut in his hand, it is going to affect you. It's going to, it's going to trouble you. You know, you're going to be anxious about going into any contact or whatever. So it probably makes sense that you have to bring him off. And, it's just that I suppose there's so few options on the bench. I'd have looked at that bench and thought, even though Wally hasn't played well, who can come on in midfield and do better? But actually, you know, we we, we tried our better in that position. And yeah, he went on to have a pretty decent half, didn't he? Yeah, no, they did. The changes worked really well. Um, on hindsight, you'd say Nurse should have started. Um, yeah, I liked him. liked yeah, him a lot. Yeah, I think Nurse is a good player. He's He's got a, one of those players that you sign as a good reputation. Um, he did really well at Newport County. I was chatting to an analytics fan from, from Newport County. He was really pleased with what he saw. Obviously, you know, there was a lot of rumours when we signed him that, oh, this is our best replacement. But a few managers, a lot of managers have always said, and I'm sure managers said this to you, Chris, when you were in the game, that, you know, if you can sign a talented player, you do it. Or whether, whether whether that creates more competition or not, that doesn't matter. And for me, I think he's a talented player. He can play left centre-back, central midfield, or left wing-back as well. And that's that's he looks a good player in good competition for places. Yeah, and to be fair, if we do lose Ogbetter, I suppose that's also good planning from the manager and that he has already got that replacement in, hasn't he? Because he would still have two options on that left side. He's got Levy, yeah. who's obviously the first choice, but we're told Nurse can play there as well. So it's all, it's not there's not going to be a panic if Ogbetter goes on August the 30th that we've got to go rush out and find a left wing back from somewhere because the manager yeah. will be thinking, well, I've got to. So yeah, yeah exactly. I've, I've no issue with that. Yeah, no, exactly. So yeah, we make those changes. Um yeah, and unfortunately, we're going to have to be negative and be a bit whingy um, to kind of reflect the game. Burton came out second half and really slowed the game down, which is their right, but I really don't like time-wasting. You know, I'd be quite, I'd be critical of Shrews, we do it as well. You know, we're not going to pretend that we don't do it, but Burton's time-wasting in the second half was poor, and I think they just crossed the line with the head injuries, which we'll come on to. But I did time it, well, not just time it, I just looked at the clock, and Hamer um, was particularly tight. I reckon he must have wasted at least 10 minutes of the game on his own. And the first throw in he took was 40 seconds, which is quite crazy to think that a player just stood there with 40 seconds 
um, to take a throw in. Um, that's, it's, it's gains management and obviously it's, it's within Burton's right in some ways to do it, but it really does ruin the game as, as a spectacle. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch. Uh, it's one of those where, as you say, I, we we do it as well. And first game of the season, they're one 0 up, and they were. We did start to put them under a bit more pressure, especially in the last half hour. And um, I don't like it, but I kind of understand it. And I, yeah. you know, I've watched. I've watched my team under Paul Hurst. We did this a lot. Didn't not quite yeah. as much as we saw from Burton yesterday, but I remember several games where we'd take the ball. Yeah, you know, we used to bring on. Um, Blimey, the shop. The shop, that's it. The shop. So we'd send him on in and to run. We used to call him the corner forward, didn't we? Yeah. Run off into the corner flag and just stand there with the ball, frankly. And where that, that was the same thing where they're burning the clock down to, to use up the game. I, I kind of took it as a compliment that they were anxious that we could get back into the game. But yeah, it's frustrating to watch and it's it's uh, it's disappointing, but kind of part of the game. I don't we, The only way you stamp it out is re- referees have to be stronger on it. So he gave us six minutes of injury time yesterday, but you said yourself, we actually lost a lot more than that, didn't we? Just yeah. just the two head injuries alone were over five minutes. So. Yeah, they were. They were about six minutes actually for the two the two fake head injuries. Um, you kind of wait if the manager, if the referee got right, ten minutes of injury time, they might think about it. Well, I think that's time. what they, I think that's what they need to start doing. I wouldn't like them to change the, the clock system completely, but I think no. you know double digit time for time wasting. I don't think is is, is wrong um, on a game like this. And they were tired by that point as well. So having to have that 10 minutes at the end when they're already knackered, then, yeah, that would that would have been, you know, who knows, another four minutes, maybe. We, we'd, I'm sure we'd have had another chance. We yeah. might yet have got a point, so. But I think it's probably worth just pointing this out because so there's any Burton's fans listening to this. By us whinging about time-wasting, there's no way we're taking away from Burton's performance. Burton were the better side in the first half. In the first half, they created some good chances. They played some decent football at times. Um, especially, obviously, it was the first game of the season. And in the second half, their defensive performance was absolutely superb. So not taking anything away from Burton. If I was a Burton fan, I would say this was a good away three points. First game of the season, job done. And some of their defensive I even thought was first superb. 15 of the second... Sorry, I thought first 15 of the second half, they were on top then as well. I don't know about you. You've watched it back. I might be Yeah, I wouldn't say they were on top. I, I would say the first 10 minutes was pretty non-eventful. Um, yeah, Hamer wasted a couple of minutes on throw-ins. Um, even took some on the right-hand side, which took, wasted even more time. But yeah, um, first 10 minutes, neither side really kind of um, kind of got into the game. And then 56 minutes in, the first kind of attacking bit of play from Shrewsbury down the right. Nice bit of play from Vela and, and Bennett into Lincoln. And then two minutes later, a wing, a wing cross from Bennett over to over from the right to the left. And a header from Leahy. Um, and I think that's something that we'll see a bit more of this season, where we see both wing-backs combining in the box. Yeah, I thought Bennett was excellent in that second half, actually. A number of good balls into the box, creating chances, looking dangerous. Always available for a pass, making it, trying to keep things moving and t- trying to keep us ticking over. He he was the player for me who I felt, if we were going to get back into that game, he was the one who was going to make it happen. Yeah, no, definitely agree with that. Um, then there was, um, yeah, a couple of minutes later, um, 59 minutes, good cross from Bennett again. Um, Hamer headers over for a corner again. Hamer involved. Um, then there's a Ebanks has a header from the corner. It hits a doe, a real doe moment there. That's some frustrating. Um, and then Salat were really on top at this point. And for me, this was almost like the third phase of the game. Then, so the first one was uneventful. Second phase, Burton were on top. Third phase, a bit of nothing. And then for me, this was kind of the last half an hour of the game where Shrewsbury Town were on top. But Burton still did create chances, which we'll cover. Um, yeah, Ado gets um, kicked in the face and we get the yellow card for Burton. Um, and then from that bit of play, and Bennett fires high and wide and, and Bowman, Bowman goes off um, and Pike comes on. 
Uh, were you surprised with Bowman's performance? And do you think that was the right decision to take him off? Uh, he was fairly anonymous, wasn't he? He didn't yeah. see a lot of the ball. I, mean, I don't know how much was his fault. He just couldn't. He didn't seem. I mean, obviously, first half we were so poor, we didn't really get the ball to him at all. And I, I guess I'm not surprised he went off. But again, it's a case of what is there to bring on, and it seems obvious to me that Pike's not in our plans particularly. So I, I, I did think. Is that really an improvement? But to be fair to Pike, he did all right, didn't he? He's a, he was a physical presence in the box. Maybe, maybe caused them more problems than Bowman had done, actually. Yeah, I think he probably did cause more problems than Bowman did. I felt a bit sorry for Bowman. There's a few times he did some good runs. Like There was one point in the second half where he did a really good bit of chest control, played the ball down to a, a mate, and I just felt that our passing overall, as I mentioned, the pass completion was like you know nearly 50%. So obviously, you know, obviously one in two passes were going astray. I just didn't feel like we were connecting enough. It was only really when we had, for me, there was basically, we'll come on to it actually in the 82nd minute, it's probably one of the best bit of play. Unless unless you had Leahy, Ogbetta, Vela and Pennington and Bennett involved, if you had anyone else, maybe that's a bit harsh on Davis, but everyone else didn't really link up play at all. Ado didn't link up any play. Pike did one good cross, but he didn't really link up any play. In terms of actually keeping the ball in possession, I felt there was like you know there was a quite a lot of weak links in the team, and I don't know whether that's just because they haven't I don't know maybe trained enough on on build up play and passing football. That's my theory at the moment. We haven't focused on that enough. We haven't we've got missing some players, and I think hopefully over the course of the season we'll see our attacking play improve. I'm hoping that we're not doing very well because we haven't focused on that yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know where you're coming from. I guess. I guess that though you know the, the season's underway now. These these games count, and it, I, it it worries me a little bit if the attitude is, oh, it'll be all right come September, October, because by then you've you've lost eight, nine, ten, eleven games, and that's actually a lot of points down the Swanee. If we if we reach that position and we're struggling, I I, I think I, I don't want to be in the position we were in last year where we get you know eight, nine, ten games in, we 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 won one, you know we we haven't got we don't want that mess all over again. So. Yes, I'm hopefully I hope we can get better, but frankly, I I think we need to get a little bit better at least quite quickly. Yeah, and that's that's where I've I you were worried a few weeks ago. I got kind of worried last week when we didn't sign anyone. I was really surprised we didn't sign anyone. You know, with the, the first game of the season coming in, I'm always asking Brian, if, you know, on the only updates and stuff, and they were ho- hoping they could sign someone. And Steve Cottrell said there was one player they were talking to um, with their club. Um, but they needed to kind of get someone in or, you know, whatever, there's an injury issue, I think, actually, to try and get him in. But, yeah, it feels like we're going to have to wait a few weeks, which is really concerning. To put it in context, you know, I'm not saying I'm concerned for the whole season, but, you know, you play over 10% of your games in August. That's quite a big chunk of the season. And, yeah, I think this is definitely a transition season. I'd like to get your view on that, Chris. You know, so I don't expect us to be in the playoffs or anything, and maybe we can have a bit of a surge later in the season. And I really feel like Cottrell's building foundations here. This season's about a bit of a bit of foundations, but at the same time, you know, we're going to the games. We want to see goals. And we want to see wins. Yeah, so that's an interesting concept. The, tra- the transition, isn't it? I certainly don't think we did the prediction pod, and I was probably the most negative of the bunch of us. Where I, I was suggesting I can see us being still towards the bottom end this season, and that I didn't see anything yesterday that's changed my mind on that yet, but. Yeah, the manager clearly does have a plan, so let's see what he brings in. And as long as he does enough to comfortably keep us up, that's probably okay this season, as long as we've got signs that next season we are ready to push on, because I think our whole year in charge, he'll have had enough time by then to hopefully start to make more of an impact. It'd be, be interesting to see where we are in a month's time. Fingers, well, clearly we have to sign some players. We just, it's, just, it's not possible. We're not going to survive the season. Obviously, we're not in as bad a situation as, say, Derby County are. 
they're clearly in an absolute mess. But um, yeah, hopefully we can get some more signings and we can improve. But I think attacking players has been a theme for Shrewsbury since Paul Hurst season um, and is going to be a, a theme um, over the next few months. But hopefully we can see some improvements. And, and with Cottrell, at least we have a manager that can do that. We weren't convinced with Ricketts or Askey, but at least with Cottrell, you know, he's a manager that should be able to improve our attacking play. Yeah, you'd hope so. He's got a track record of scoring plenty of goals in this division, hasn't he? I mean, yeah. his Bristol City team won this league with a lot of goals. So yeah, didn't he score over 100 we'll goals or something? Something like that. Yeah. Bigger club than us, obviously, and uh, bigger resources than us. So I'm not saying we can replicate what he did at Bristol City, but you'd like to think that he could at least try to replicate some of that style and bring some of that pizzazz to Shrewsbury as well. And I think that's what we're crying out for as fans, isn't it? We're, let's be honest, we've watched a lot of fairly tepid football over the last couple of years and I just want to be entertained a bit more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But unfortunately, I think we'll have to be a little bit more patient um, until we get a few more players in. And yeah, we're not relying on players like Pike to change the game. No offence to him, but yeah, we haven't really seen a lot from him um, in, in a Shrewsbury Town shirt. So yeah, um, we're kind of now we're up to about 67 minutes in. Um, and talking of Pike, actually, this was a really good bit of play from him. He, he out-muscles the defender. He runs down the right flank crosses into the box and, and Leahy shoots, forcing a really good save um, from the keeper. Um, we have a scramble from a, the following corner, but nothing really comes of it. But um, yeah, that was a good bit of play from Pike in in, 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 his, in fairness to him. Yeah, he did well there. That's what I say. He, he did cause them a bit of a physical problem. And then, yeah, he used the ball well on that occasion. Decent effort from Leahy as well. You know, he gave this signs there in that second half that he can be a wing back who can chip in with a few goals potentially as the season goes on or at least create a few as well. I know a few people picked him out as their man of the match. I felt defensively, first half especially, he struggled a little bit, to be honest, uh, which is why he doesn't. I didn't quite pick him pick him out as one of my top three, as it were. But I do think he, he showed promise there, and he, he's got there's more to come from him. Yeah, I think yeah, Lee he's a good good player, a good solid player at this level. And yeah, obviously you know they did score um, a, a good corner. Um, and a good header from Brayford. Leahy was marking him. Um, that's a bit unfortunate, maybe, but on, a lot of times he, he seems to know some of those darker arts in terms of defending. And yeah, he's no mug. He's a, he's a good, solid player that we signed there. And uh, he's one of the players for me was just outside of my top three, but a good performance. Um, unfortunately, we get to this the first time wasting moment um, where the um, the player, and we wasted over three minutes, maybe three and a half minutes on this one with a fake head injury. I watched it back a couple of times. There's no way um, from not just from watching it, but also from Vela's reaction. Apparently, the player smashed into the back of Vela, but Vela didn't make any reaction to that at all. He didn't have any head injury at all, so that was a bit odd. Over three minutes wasted there, um, which we'll we'll talk about again with head time wasting. We had a uh, seventy-two minutes and Leahy headed and um, clear for here. Seventy-two minutes, Leahy headed. Um, clear and he's gone for another corner um, again more defending from, from a Burton point of view 73 minutes another corner and Pennington's shot was blocked another corner um, and then 78 minutes a better has a good offer uh, in the box but again Burton's defending again blocked our shot um, and you have to say Burton's defending in, this, in the second half was absolutely superb yeah they put their bodies on the line didn't they Steve Cottrell called that out in his post-match interview and praised them for that and yeah, you can't disagree with them. They did a terrific job of making it difficult for us. They did everything that you'd want to, you'd want to see your team doing. They, you know, commit, committed, passionate, playing for the shirts. I mean, if I was a Burton fan, I'd have been delighted with what I saw. Especially Burton. I think they had six, maybe even seven debutants in that team. So yeah. they're, they're coming. They've got a lot of work to do to come together as a team. I'm sure, but they certainly looked like they were all playing for each other in that second half. And yeah, it was encouraging for them. 
Yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm sure, you know, they weren't amazing going forward. Smith um, was good. And I can't remember the name, the lad in central midfield. He had a really good game as well. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Um, with brown hair, he had a really good game. Um, and he was a good, good pass. They looked like they signed a few decent players for me. Um, Smith was a good outlet as well. And, and clearly, as we know, we've, they've got two of their main strikers out injured as well. So I'm sure Burton will improve. It'll be fascinating to see how they get on. But yeah, defensively and structurally, and you know, in terms of their setup, they were well, well drilled and, and definitely deserved the clean sheet in terms of all the effort and work that they put in. Um, and then, yeah, we're getting to the 80th minutes now. Ado had that chance. This is really frustrating. Should he have hit it first time, Chris? It, I wasn't, I'd need to watch it back. I felt watching it live, it wasn't as easy a chance as it maybe looked. But yes, he certainly could have done better. Yeah, I mean, so, you've, you've seen it again. Is that fair? No, I think I, that's I, a very fair summary. Uh, it came to him really fast. Maybe if he'd been, you know, if he was really high in confidence, he would have hit it first time. And if he'd hit it first time and maybe even like, you know, miss hit it and it gone off at an angle, it would have gone in the back of the net. He did take a control. He did hit it and it was blocked again. Um, Burton's defending again was, was superb yeah so that was frustrating and then a really nice bit of play 82 minutes so Leahy gets the ball on the left passes to a better passes to Velu just really really well to kind of escape two Burton players and got fouled in the process referee plays on Pennington gets the ball passes to Bennett another cross and again that man um, Hamer clears um, Burton's lines again yeah they terrific defending again wasn't it it was just frustrating at that point I I remember sort of slapping the seat in front of me, which was empty and frustration because it was just like, oh God, here we go again. It, it was a bit like the Alamo at this point. And yet it was, maybe it's my mentality. I just didn't, I felt like we were never going to score. I felt like we could have been playing for another half an hour and we still weren't going to score. They defended very well. And I just, I I didn't think we did we did quite enough to create that golden opportunity really that would, would have got us back in the game. It was just frustrating, wasn't it? Very yeah, frustrating think- would be my word. Yeah, I think overall, I think we probably had created enough chances to get a draw. I think we could have got a draw because you had, at the end of the game, you had, basically then you had this 83rd minute one where Hamer goes down, where apparently he hit a doe, um, but he went down for at least three minutes, which is another time-wasting opportunity for Burton. Um, and then we had, I thought we had, then we kind of, our accuracy, not that we were great in um, you know earlier in the half, but then, yeah, lots of Hamer's crosses into the box. And Vela goes down in the box, but again, that central midfielder who I mentioned does a really good tackle on him. I think I think he wins enough of the ball. That was never a penalty in my eyes. Um, and then 90 minutes, Burton headed wide, and that was a decent chance. And then just before the end of the game, Vela has a shot, but again, um, yeah, it's almost like a broken record now. That was blocked again. Um, so I think overall, I think we probably did enough for a draw. I don't believe we did enough for a win. Um, but I think Burton can be really pleased and with their performance and and defensively, um, you know, that they ground that to that clean sheet out. Well, yeah, they're, they're just they're, they're a few weeks ahead of us, aren't they? And that they've made a lot of they've made a lot of signings already. So they you know, all those debutants, like I mentioned, and you, they've got the win. So you'd think if, if you're Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, you'd be delighted three points on the board, and hopefully your team's only going to get better as they gel a little bit more. Yeah. Whereas we'll probably be going through that process in September of having a relatively new look team with a few more faces. And it's so, for me, yeah. it's two different philosophies. Almost oh, necess- not necessarily, but let's just play that game that you know Burton signed loads of players, but we haven't. Maybe our philosophy means that we actually sign a few better players. Maybe who knows. Um, and well, we get that's the, the test, isn't it? That's, yeah. I suppose, what the what Cotter will be judged on, because Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, as you say, has made his saving signings now, and he's brought in some pretty good players. It looks to me, at least. But I'm, you know, some of those I'm sure were players that we might have been interested in. I don't know what Burton are paying, but yeah, it's up to us now to bring in better, isn't it? It's up to Steve Cotter to say that it was worth being patient and 
let's see what he gets us that makes it worthwhile. Yeah, for me, that's definitely a thread and a theme that we'll have to keep an eye on. It's something that we're going to have to keep, um, yeah, we were hoping is, is going to work, but yeah, the proof will be in the pudding, I guess. Um, so yeah, closing this kind of game out, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think a draw would have been fair, but Burton, again, we keep saying, deserved their, their three points. Who was your top three? Uh, I think I put in third place, I put George Nurse, even though he only came on at half time. I thought he had a really decent second half, uh, a big improvement in that defence compared to Aaron Pierre. I could have had a few in that position. There were two or three. I thought Matthew Pennington had a decent game as well. And we've mentioned Lee He, uh, so I, I could have picked him as well. But I went with Nurse. Second place, I've gone with Marco Morosi. He made two or three saves in that first half that kept us in the game, frankly. And it's just from his impact on the game for me deserves a place in the top three. Without those saves, we were probably dead and buried at half time. So his distribution wasn't always great. And I, you know, there's improvement to be made there, certainly. I thought he could have used the ball a lot better. But in terms of pure shot stopping, it was exceptional to watch in that first half. So yeah, he got second. And my man of the match was Elliot Bennett. Yep, cool. So Glynn went for Bennett first, Bella second, or better third. I went for Bennett first, Pennington second, and Vela third. Yeah, it's quite tough actually. It's it's really weird, isn't it? We we lost at home one 0 in the first game of the season, but we're struggling for our. We're not struggling. We're, there's a lot of competition for our top three, which gives you some hope. Um, yeah, for me, obviously, I mentioned those three players, but Leahy would probably you know could have been in the top three. Davis had a good game. I thought it was interesting. We didn't really talk about the tactical change that we made in the first in the second half. When Ogbetta came in and played in central midfield, we kind of played almost like one holding player and two kind of number 10s or maybe number 8s. Yeah, probably number 8s is fairer. So we had both Vela and Ogbetta were pushing forward a bit more rather than having an out-and-out number 10. And yeah, what was your thoughts on Ogbetta playing in central midfield? Well, it's something we're told the players wanted to do. He's talked about that in the past, hasn't he? Wanting to be a midfielder. So I suppose this was a massive chance for him to show he can do it. And he certainly did his cause no harm there, did he? It was... Uh, I think there's probably more to come from him still, but at the same time, I thought he was good on the ball. He kept us moving. He's, he's clearly an athletic lad. There's something. To, I think we missed his crossing ability. He's a decent crosser of the ball as well, and we're not going to see as much of that playing in a central midfield role, but he certainly brought a lot to our midfield, and I'd be interested to see him play there more. I'd be interested to see if maybe he even gets a start there on Tuesday night in the League Cup or something. I don't know. Whether that would be something the manager would consider, I don't know. But For me, he's yeah clearly a superb um, technical player, got a lot of potential. I did like him playing that central role. There's a few times that he attacked. He's a good ball carrier. The opposition are clearly very aware of him. He can go left and he can go right. Um, there's a few nice bits of play, and he creates space. Not only is he good at running with the ball and good at dribbling, he can shoot. So obviously the opposition are fearful of that. Um, but obviously he can also shoot on his right and his left. Um, and I think he makes good decisions. He's, yeah, his pass completion rate was over 90%. Um, he's, he's clearly a very talented player and a huge miss, if, a huge loss if we do lose him. Um, I'd like to yeah. see him play there again. You know That means you can play maybe play Nurse and Leahy, one of those two with him in the side as well. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's only going to improve if we play him there in more, in more games. Some of those, again, on, on social media, I found those quite interesting. He was probably better than I'd even realised, for example. So, you know, you, you've just mentioned the 90% pass completion and whatever. I probably hadn't appreciated that watching it live. So I think that's where the stats can be quite useful as well in terms yeah, of exactly. showing what a player's actually done. Yeah, well, yeah. And for me, my, the, fame, the most famous one for me last season was um, using pass completion to talk about a certain right wing back from Australia. Um, where yeah, this pass completion stats can be quite helpful to kind of understand the impact a player has. He's probably would have been more in the game, but so much of our attack went down the right. 
which meant he wasn't involved as much. Um, I think Bennett down the right is clearly a big threat for us. Um, but yeah, good good performance from Abeta, and I'm sure he can please with his second half performance. And, uh, yeah, Ollie on Bennett as well. I think it's also worth pointing out that this is a guy who has hardly played any football in the last year or more because of injury. So I actually thought that was a really impressive performance for him yesterday. So if that's how he can play, that's his first league start in what more than 12 months, I think, possibly. So if he can play like that now, what's he going to be like in October, November when he's hopefully a bit more up to speed? Because he was really impressed too. And I think you know, all three of us have picked him as our man of the match. And yeah, I find that quite exciting. He was probably better than I expected given how little football he's had. Yeah, I think it's a good comment. He he talks about Bennett in his pre-match um, interview saying how, you know, he's 32, but he's not as fast as he once was when he had him at Bristol City. But he's still obviously an intelligent player. He's improved on that side of the game. And he was saying he was, you know, posting the kind of the same kind of numbers that the other players in, in pre-season. So yeah, for me that's a big positive. I know you were a little bit concerned about him. He thought maybe he'd only play about 20 games, so something to keep an eye on. But yeah, for me, he's a good sign. So in terms of next, really finishing this game off, um Steve Cottrell's comments. He said that maybe thought we could have won the game. He was happy with our second half performance, felt that we wasted the first half. But I think really kind of he was I thought he was a little bit a little bit gunnish and I thought I was a little bit surprised by how bullish he was in this post-match interview. He was more positive than I certainly felt listening to him on the radio. I was dri- driving home thinking, blimey, Steve, it wasn't that good to me. But at the same time, you know, with a bit of time to reflect, I probably think that's not bad management. He was honest in terms of saying that the first half was poor, but equally he doesn't want to completely batter his team because that's the team that he's going to be working with for the next two or three weeks at least until he's got significant additions in. So I thought probably not a bad thing to just make sure that they're, you know, they're aware of the positives as well. And they hear him publicly saying that we improved second half and kept possibly could have got something out of the game. I think to say we could have won the game was probably very generous. But at the same time, yeah, I think it was probably a fair reflection that it was kind of that game of two halves, if you like, or almost a game of three, as you said earlier, maybe three periods almost. I think he's a little bit bullish. Obviously, he was also then talking about Norburn, the captaincy being taken off and a better and all that kind of stuff. So obviously quite a lot of interesting points to come out. Come out of that. I thought he was spiky on that stuff. Yeah, you know, I thought he was. Yeah, he, I thought he was quite spiky. Something that we we know about um, St- um, Steve Cottrell. He does a, a reputation that's maybe a bit strong way of putting it. But yeah, he's known as quite a strong character, and I'm sure we'll hear these. Obviously, we didn't hear him talking. Obviously, in the post match um, at the end of the season when we were losing a lot of games because he wasn't with us. Unfortunately, he was in hospital and and recovering at home. And obviously, we only really heard him when we were winning games. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles the media. And yeah, I don't envy the media in some ways because, yeah, he's the kind of character who's going to be quite um, share his opinion quite strongly. And they were fair questions. That's the thing for me. It's, it's one thing being spiky with a journalist if he's asking a question that you think is utterly unreasonable. But those were questions that all of us were asking from the moment. Well, we've been asking them over the summer and when the team was announced. You know, So what's going on with Oliver Norburn? What's going on with Nathaniel Ogbetta? These are key players for our team and our and our supporters care, obviously. So I think I think they're reasonable questions that were asked in a reasonable way. So I thought he was a bit cagey, a bit defensive in the way he responded to them myself. But he's got his style and I suppose we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. So yeah, um overall a frustrating afternoon from a shooter time perspective. Great to be back at the game, um, great to be back at the ground, great to see live football again, not watching it on iFollow, which is very difficult to kind of get a, a, a kind of sense of what's going on. 
Um, but I think it's fair to say plenty of work to do. Transfer window isn't closed yet. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we, we'll be in a bit of a different position um, when we get into September. Yeah, it was great to be back again, wasn't it? I, I left the ground feeling quite frustrated because ultimately I wanted, I, yes, it's great to be back, but I wanted to be, I wanted to be back with a win, frankly. So I left feeling a bit disappointed, but 24 hours later, I'm feeling a bit better about it. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's great to be back. We've got another game Tuesday. I'm looking forward to that. League Cup first round with Lincoln. It's not something that ordinarily would get me massively excited but yeah we've had so little chance to watch football bring it on so I do think it'd be great to go to Morecambe next week and actually get a win I don't want to be in a position where we were last year where we're really on the back foot so it'd be great to go there get some points on the board and I'm sure that'll settle everyone down yeah it's it's, it's an interesting point that's one of the reasons why I was a little bit worried at the start of this week um, because we haven't signed players uh, Morecambe um, we've got on Saturday we've got Lincoln um, who drew one and um, one all away at Gillingham um, on Saturday, and then Morecambe got a very um, respectable um, two-all draw away at Ipswich, who have just keep signing more and more players, um, and they're going to be yeah. an absolute. Um, yeah, they only they only um, got a they only got their equalising goal in extra time, so that was a great start for for Morecambe. Um, so, Maybe yeah. that'll crush them though, because they were seconds from a very, what would have been a very famous win for them. So that's probably going to they're, they're going to be hurting from that. So. Maybe we can capitalise on that and make their start to life in League One even tougher next weekend. Yeah, so I think I think um, playing Lincoln on Tuesday night is going to be a challenge. I think Lincoln are going to be up there this season, and then yeah, away to away to Morecambe. Um, I'm debating whether I'm going to go to that one or not. Hopefully, I will. But yeah, Morecambe's going to be an interesting game. Um, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we get on. I just don't want us to go, you know, three four games without any points at all. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed, we can pick something up quite quickly. Yeah, I want to treat Tuesday like a free hit almost. It's yeah. a League Cup game where if we lose, so yeah, I'd like to see the team have a real go, get a couple of goals on the board for confidence. And if we lose the game, so be it. But we're not going to win the League Cup, are we? But the bigger, the Saturday's the bigger game for me. You know, if you if you told me right now we could lose to Lincoln but beat Morecambe, I'd take that. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So what's your kind of prediction for Saturday then? Oh, I'll try and be a positive shrew still, Ollie. So I'm going to go Morecambe nil, Shrewsbury one. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-1 away win for Shrewsbury Town. Uh, I think we're hopefully going to... Um, that's more. I think that's me more being more hopeful than anything else. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed we can get a result on Saturday. So thanks, Chris, for joining us. Thanks for covering England's absence. It's been great having you back on the pod again. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. Thank you very much, Glenn. I look forward to passing them back to you for next one. <laughs> cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on. And um, yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back again next week. Oh! 